everyone. This podcast is from the archives. It was recorded on January 8th of this year, but previously unaired. And while we're living in a whole new world today, the episode is full of useful strategies from our guest, Tom Kosnick, strategic consultant to staffing firms and president of the Vices Group that we think can help your firm through this unprecedented era. So I hope it's useful for you. Hello, and welcome to The Staffing Show, the only podcast that delivers tools, tips, and tactics from the staffing and recruiting industry's top executives and thought leaders. Hey, Tom. Uh, super great to have you on the podcast today. Um, here with me today is uh, Tom Kosnick with Vices Group. Uh, very excited to have a conversation with you about what's next in staffing. Um, so to start off, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and your background in the staffing industry? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the invitation to be on the uh, on the uh, webcast here. And uh, yeah, my background, I've been uh, uh, servicing the staffing industry for just over 25 years. Uh, I got into the industry with uh, by setting up CEO president roundtables. Uh, at one point, I had over 100 independently owned staffing businesses in eight different uh, president roundtables. Uh, that uh, that uh, program has continued to grow organically. So we've got a CFO roundtable and a marketing roundtable, uh, a COO roundtable, and, and I also have retained a handful of president roundtables. Uh, and then in, in addition to that, we, uh, we do organizational development work and uh, organizational development work, uh, people that like myself and some of my associates, uh, we look at the organization as a whole uh, There's uh, and, and we try to increase the value of the asset. And so that may be uh, uh, helping out, uh, shoring up the sales function. It might be helping shore up the uh, recruiting or the fulfillment function. It might be help helping with uh, with some technology, uh, either a, a, a technology uh, assessment or even uh, helping choose an ATS and uh, and walking through uh, implementation and whatnot. Uh, so, but we focus. There's there are a lot of people in the industry that do quote unquote executive coaching, and that's like one on one. Organizational development typically is working with the organization as a whole groups of sales teams and groups of recruiters and the, the managed the senior management team that's doing strategic planning and financial analysis and comp plan redesign and really good stuff good foundational things that we that anybody needs to be doing if they're if they're owning and growing a staffing business fantastic and and uh, when people attend the roundtables um, you know what is the expectation or the result? Like what, what are people getting out of uh, uh, participating in your uh, executive roundtables? Yeah, great question. Thank you for asking, uh, David. The, uh, the objective, is, these are small. So 10 to 12 executives that get together three times a year and they, uh, they set the agenda. We facilitate. They uh, occasionally will bring in subject matter experts. Uh, but imagine uh, you have specific challenges. Uh, I, I want to do an acquisition. I got to change a comp plan. I need to. I need to move to a new ATS. Whatever it is, uh, 
I'm trying to physically, organically grow by opening up markets, uh, on and on and on. The topics are endless. But uh, each company gets X number of uh, X, uh, an X amount of time in front of this, uh, in front of this group of, of other successful business owners to present their ideas. I facilitate through a creative problem-solving process, and uh, we unpack those topics. We ask a lot of questions: uh, who, what, where, when, why. Uh, and then we, we take time to offer uh, real-life experience responses. So uh, people that attend those meetings, they come to, we set the agenda ahead of time, they come to the roundtable with specific questions, challenges, topics that they want to uh, do deep dives on. And, and then we facilitate through that. We take notes. We send the notes out to all the members uh, afterwards. Uh, everybody signs an NDA. So, uh, But they really... Uh, uh, so they get like real life, uh, real life uh, responses to to uh, challenges and situations that they're looking to uh, uh, to overcome or, or move beyond. Uh, and, and then additionally, they build like an informal uh, network of of other business owners all in the staffing industry, staffing industry expertise, that they can pick up the phone and they can call in between the meetings. I mean, we do have email distribution lists where people and some of our groups are more active than others where they uh, uh, send out questions on those distribution lists. So, you know, we have the email thing going on where people can continue to unpack and and, uh, talk about issues. But uh, we get a lot of conversations that go go back and forth where people just build their their executives build their uh, their personal network of of uh, uh, other people that are running staffing businesses that they know that they can trust and uh, you know how it is uh, uh, just talk through whatever and uh, but yeah yeah that's uh, in short that's what they that's what they're expecting that's what they get and uh shockingly uh, i have a number i've got a number of clients that have been with me for more than 20 years in that roundtable program oh wow yeah yeah it's uh it's uh it's uh, we have a new website coming out uh we've got a, a bunch of testimonials i hired somebody to do interviewing and all that stuff so we're pretty excited about uh, about 2020 and, and, uh, and, you know, the, uh, the podcasts and being part of podcasts, it's all, all part of the, uh, the new, new, new website and whatnot. So. Well, that's, that's all fantastic. It actually, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, uh, Vistage. I, I hear a lot of success stories from Vistage, uh, the one area where I feel like, um, you excel and are probably, uh, uh, potentially a, a much more significant value add is the, the, the focus and staffing and, having people that have solved the exact problems that you're trying to solve versus kind of the, the uh, business owner group as a whole. So uh, it seems like a, a really, really great model. And obviously yeah, something thank that, you. Thank you. If you thank have, you. If you, if you have if you have people that have stuck with you for twenty years, obviously it's working. So that's that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Vistage is a great organization. We have I have uh, members that are members in Vistage and members in my uh, my roundtable program. And I had a, I had a client uh, out of the Northeast. He he gave me a, a, a testimony one time. He. He he said, uh, you can know a lot about the staffing industry. You can't you, you can't know everything, uh, but with the right group of uh, associates, you can come you can come pretty close to knowing just about everything you need to know. <laughs> the girl business. That's so, great. Uh, That's great. Uh, it's a wonderful wonderful testimonial. So thank you. 
Yeah, that, that's fantastic. So, and, and one of the things you mentioned is that when people come to the roundtables, they're bringing their current challenges, things they're trying to solve. Um, what, what do you see from these conversations that you're having uh, at your roundtables and just at, with your industry expertise? What are some of the biggest challenges that you see uh, staffing firms facing currently? Yeah, sure. So when I look at the staffing industry, uh, I, I look at, again, as, uh, when I'm looking at these organizations, I see it in three camps. Uh, you have the owner-operator type businesses, and those are generally the staffing companies that will grow to $12, 15000000 in revenue. And then you have the staffing companies that are 15 to $80 million in revenue. And then you get the, the, uh, the uh, middle market, we would call those, and then you get the enterprise accounts that are 80 million to to a billion or so. And that's and they all have different challenges. So those companies that are uh, the owner operator type businesses, you know, they're dealing with hiring people, they're dealing with uh, creating compelling compensation plans, managing people. You know, those small organizations, uh, seven people, eight people, 12 people, if you've got, uh, if you're somewhere near the staffing industry uh, 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 averages on turnover rates, I mean, you lose four people uh, out of a staff of, of 10 or 12, uh, you, you, you're losing a third of your staff, that's a big deal. So uh, creating compelling cultures that uh, the employees want to stay, stay with, uh, trying to grow the business, competing against the, the more sophisticated middle market, competing against the big nationals, uh, trying to deal with the VMSs. Those are, those are a lot of the challenges that the, uh, that the middle the uh, I'm sorry. The, a lot of the challenges that the uh, that the owner operator type uh, type uh, businesses. You have one person, or you've got a you've got a married couple. You know, at the top of the at the top of the pyramid, and everybody's reporting into them, and they're they're. Uh, it's on it's on their shoulders to grow it. Uh, when you look at the enterprise accounts, uh, those guys they are going head to head with the nationals on on just about everything. Uh, they're trying to manage their costs as uh, you know they may have whatever uh, eighty five uh, sixty uh, branches out there. So managing getting all those branches profitable, operating well. Uh, you have training and development, learning management systems, uh, acquisitions. Uh, a lot of those enterprise accounts are doing acquisitions. Uh, well, how do you do acquisitions and where do you find them? And you know, how do you integrate them? Uh, once you buy them, how do you integrate them into the, into the fold? And uh, uh, funny, you know, you, I see some company, I see these uh, with the owner-operator businesses, you can see these different plateaus that they hit. Same thing happens with the enterprise accounts. A company can grow to $250 million in revenue, and then they'll get stuck at $250 million in revenue for you know, four, five, six years. Uh, but those, those, those guys, those enterprise accounts, uh, they, those guys are going head-to-head against the nationals, which are very sophisticated in their sales methodologies, their fulfillment methodologies, their technologies. The nationals, they've got a lot of money to do market research and things like that. Well, you know, even a, even a $250 million a year staffing business uh, still might have a lot of people on staff that uh, are not at the same sophistication level as some of these, some of these nationals. Uh, and then you've got the middle market, and these, these 
these are the companies that are too they're too big to be small, too small to be big, and uh, they're they really ha- have uh, issues related to the whole financial model. Uh, they because they need to invest in infrastructure, so they need if they're twenty five or thirty five or fifty million in revenue. They really need to grow that to the to the top of the of the middle market cycle, and in order to do that, they have to invest in infrastructure. Well, infrastructure is some high powered people, a VP of sales, VP of operations, an IT director. Well, those guys don't don't come cheap. Uh, they there's a, there's a high there's a high price tag <laughs> with somebody that can help you. You know what they say. You know the, the pundits will say, "Hey, wow, you're 25 million in revenue. You want to get the 50? Well, go hire a VP of sales that's been in an organization that's 50 million in revenue." Well, you know somebody in that organization. What are they going to be making? You know, 250, 300 thousand dollars. So, I mean, that's a big ticket for some of those some of those uh, uh, topics. So for some of those middle market companies. And then you've got the technology, right? I mean, whatever their technology platform is. Uh, every time I do a focus group with a group of employees, you know, it's like uh, they come to the table with a half a dozen or eight different new technologies. Yeah, we really need this technology to recruit better. And <laughs> well, the guys that are paying the bills for that, hey, it's a financial model. Uh, they only have so much percentage of the gross margin that they can allocate towards those new new tech technologies. So they've got to decide, hey, which technologies are going to be the ones that are uh, are going to give me the biggest bang for the buck. Uh, the, 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 the enterprise accounts, they deal with that as well. Uh, they have a little bit more girth to them. So they you know, they can they can pilot a, a region with a technology for a while to see if it's really going to flesh out for them. I think that's that's a great uh, kind of yeah. overview of that. I like the way that you look at the the, the different market segments as well, because obviously the challenges change based on business side. So it's a, it's a great insight into some of the, the key challenges. This episode of The Staffing Show is brought to you by Staffing Referrals, the only recruiter referral platform designed specifically for staffing firms. If you're like most staffing firms, you're probably not using a digital referral platform, which means you're missing up to 60% of your potential referral placements. That's where Staffing Referrals comes in. Their recruiter referral platform helps you capture more referrals by transforming your candidates and contractors into digital brand ambassadors. Why do staffing firms love staffing referrals? you'll instantly get a referral program like the ones used by Lyft, Uber, and Airbnb. Your recruiters get their very own brand ambassador program, and your company will get more referral leads than ever before. I think you should check it out. If you'd like to get more referral leads for your recruiters, check out their 90-day pilot. They're giving Staffing Show listeners $500 off their first 90 days. To claim your $500 discount, Visit staffingreferrals.com forward slash hub. I think you'll love it. One of the things you mentioned there at the end was uh, the the technology. And from uh, my perspective, you know, I've been seeing uh, more technology players, more technology solutions, um, whether it comes to, you know, alternate sourcing, um, you know, automation. Seems like there's a, a, a new player every day and that 
uh, a lot of uh, companies that I feel like are adopting technology faster than ever. How, how do you see technology playing a role in our, are there any? Yeah, yeah uh, sure. Well, uh, uh, David, you know, okay. you know, Maurice Fuller and, and the staffing tech and all that stuff. He, he's uh, trying to come up with like a top 100 list of uh, technology companies that are supporting the staffing industry. And I was on the phone with them uh, a few weeks back and I said, wow, a uh, hundred companies. And uh, he said, Tom, we started with a list of over 400 technology companies that are now offering services to the staffing industry. I mean, it's just, it's just so yes, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, totally inundated. Well, here's the thing. If I am, uh, so think about technology is definitely going to be the, the, the way of the future. I mean, when you look at the mobile device, everybody's got these mobile devices. The way that, uh, the way that millennials, the way that people that are coming out of college uh, want to communicate and want to be communicated with are through uh, text messaging and mobile devices and things like that. Uh, so the on-demand staffing tools, those aren't, those aren't going away. Uh, I was at, uh, I was at the uh, the staffing world, and somebody asked me, "Hey, what do you think about?" We heard about UberWorks, you know, that just came out. And uh, what do you think yep. about UberWorks? And is that uh, is that a big uh, concern? And I said, "Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I mean, that 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 announcement of UberWorks is like the on-demand staffing train has left the station. I mean, Uber doesn't." <laughs> Uber doesn't invest millions, billions of dollars into some kind of platform if they have not done the research and uh, that this is the future of work and how work is going to get uh, uh, allocated and, and whatnot. So, I mean, technology-wise, yeah, so beyond demand staffing, the way that the, the way that we're communicating with people, there are a number of uh, products out there in terms of like employee engagement, temp employee engagement, uh, temp redeployment. Uh, how, how many how many times do you walk into a staffing company and uh, they've got more people? They got as many people falling off the back end of the bus as they're bringing on the front end of the bus. You know, why would you not do something to redeploy anything you can? do. You've already, you know, you've already uh, initiated them. They're already your employees. Uh, hopefully they already, they already like your, your, your company and whatnot. So why not retain those folks? Uh, well, that's a whole different business model, right? We're not, we're not thinking about billable hours. Uh, we're not thinking about butts and seats. Uh, you're thinking about building a marketplace, building a marketplace of temporary workers that will stay with me for uh, for a certain amount of time. Well, so the technology there supports that different business model. Uh, the other the other thing is that if I'm a day labor, if I'm uh, a light industrial, if I'm a clerical, if I'm an engineering staffing firm or whatnot, all those all those staffing models they are they're different business models. And those different business models, the technology. Here's here's what I here's what I see. You know, people walk around these conferences. These the people that run staffing companies are walking around the conferences, looking at these technologies, and the technologies are like, hey, wow, let me show you this, and and uh, we're going to help you do this, and we're going to help your recruiters be more efficient by that, and we're going to help your sales guys close more deals with this, and. Well, I mean, that's like looking at the, the shiny nickel or the shiny dime or whatever. But 
that's not how you make a decision about one of those technologies. You got to take a step back and look at your business model. How does your business make money? How do you fulfill? Uh, are you long-term assignments? What's your average length of assignment? Uh, how do you find people? What do you do with them once you get them in the in your in your system and whatnot? So take you got to take a step back. Look at the your business model that you're trying to uh, implement that you're trying to grow in the marketplace, which, by the way, should have some kind of value add to prospective buyers or whatnot. And then you look for technologies. That business model becomes the criteria, one of the criteria that you look for. You stand these technologies up against to support that, that the execution of that business model in the marketplace. And uh, I, so that's like one thing that like there, I, I don't think there's a staffing company out there that couldn't like that couldn't an independently owned staffing business out there that couldn't. Uh, hey, wow, boy, I, I need to take a step back, really understand my business model and then and then evaluate my these technology choices, uh, you know, versus by, wow, man, that that tool looks really cool. Let's try that out for a while. That is like the wrong way to make that decision. It's uh, I. I couldn't agree more. And I've actually, uh, I've seen a lot of staffing firms that, uh, uh, jump at the shiny thing, um, but don't follow through with the, uh, uh alignment and, uh, onboarding of the tool. It kills, so David, I, like, it, it kills me. <laughs> I, I go in yeah. and I may sign, I may sign a deal to go in and do an assessment. It just like breaks my heart. You look at these contracts and you see what kind of money these guys have spent on some new technology, and it's not and it's not aligned. It's it's uh, like now, why did you guys buy this? And help me with the decision. <laughs> yeah. And like, who yeah. is involved? And uh, I, it it because it's just a lot of it's a lot of money, you know. And, and in yeah, the end, and not, I, in the in the end, they're not going to get the result. And 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 what's the result? Huh? I either I either got to get uh, I got to increase my net income, I got to increase my uh, average gross profit production per internal employee, I've got to uh, 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 leverage up my margins, I've got to increase the number of headcount per internal employee, whatever it is, whatever your metric, your KPI is, I mean that new investment should be tied so, so that there should be a, a lead and a lag indicator tied to that investment, and. Um, you know, it, not to you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars later, and and there's they're they're still running at whatever the same the same the same KPIs, no change. That's not good. I yeah, I uh, I've, I've seen it many times. I've actually uh, one one thing that um, we created at Staffing Hub that's actually quite relevant to this conversation is a uh, a software selection uh, tool that kind mm-hmm. of uh, helps score software based off of. Mm, uh, yeah, the, yeah. what the expected impact, the effort to launch. Um, I, I, I had a call with Maurice recently and actually some of these ideas come directly from him, uh, which by the way, his, his conference staffing tech, I highly recommend going to, if you're in the staffing industry as well. If you're an owner operator, it, it's probably one of the most important conferences for you to attend. Absolutely. Because right. as you said earlier in our conversation, like technology, it's it's only going to play a more and more and more critical role in a staffing company. It is. 100, 100% agree. 
100% great. I'll, I'll include um, the calculator that we have in these show notes. So anybody that's listening, if you look in the uh, notes of the show, you'll be able to uh, draw, download that directly. So, um, so one other thing that uh, kind of switching gears a little bit here, uh, but I, I know that consolidation in the industry has been ongoing. I don't know if it's fully accelerating, but it's uh, definitely a consistent thing. And it's a, still a fairly fragmented market, but I know a lot of the major players are, are always looking at who they can acquire next. Uh, what's your take on kind of the lay of the land in regards to M and A in the staffing industry? Yeah, uh, I have a, I have a, uh, we help out with uh, with a number of M and A deals throughout the year, and these are either large clients of mine that are that are looking to acquire, and so they may hire us to uh, to do the grunt work of sending letters, making phone calls, things like that. Uh, all I would say a hundred percent of my enterprise accounts are looking for acquisitions, 100%. Uh, the middle market, I would say more than 50% of those folks are looking for acquisitions. Uh, what do staffing industry analysts say? 93% of the industry is under $7 million in revenue. Um, so, you know, you've got a lot of these uh, smaller uh, owner-operator type businesses. Those are Those are fairly... Fairly, uh, fairly easy, easy uh, uh, acquisitions to do. But uh, you know, we've been on a uh, we've been on a nine year uh, acquisition pace. Uh, there's a lot of desire to continue to uh, acquire businesses. Uh, it was and, and what are the drivers? Well, one driver is the candidate short market. Uh, I mean, I, I get called from IT companies. This is so. This is. So, I would have never thought I, I would have heard this, but hey, we want to. We want to. We want to buy. Uh, we want to buy IT staffing companies for the for the resources. Uh, usually, they're looking for the client contracts. Well, oh wow, this they're in this client, that client. <laughs> the, we're we're at a fully deployed workforce with IT workers, engineers. <laughs> So you've got companies that are buying IT staffing businesses for the the 25 or the 50 or the 75 resources that they they have on staff so that they can you know redeploy those those uh, those resources. M&A M&A activity is going to be is going to remain uh, pretty solid, pretty good. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk about you know is there. Uh, I mean, we, we've seen. Uh, uh, I, I do some reading with the guys from ITR up in the Northeast. They, they've spoken at many of the staffing industry conferences. I kind of signed on to their their monthly uh, newsletter, and they they have a leading uh, trends report that looks at ten leading indicators in the United States economy. And so they've been showing that the economy has been has been slowing down, but uh, at the same time. Gosh, we've got more open jobs and people applying for jobs. We've got this candidate short market. We don't have enough people going into engineering and IT, and and we don't have enough American students going into engineering and IT. Uh, well, healthcare is the same thing. We don't have enough people going into nursing and and the different uh, uh, fields in that that category. Uh, so, uh, look, I mean, if a company wants to grow, acquisition is going to be a part of it. And, uh, and and most of my clients, if you're not if you're not if you're not growing, you're you're losing ground. Uh, the United States population is continuing to grow, which means the staffing industry is going is continuing to grow. Uh, so mergers and acquisitions, uh, it's a uh, 
uh, it's probably going to be another good, uh, my guess is 2020 is going to be another good year for, for M&A. And, uh, and there's a lot of good reasons to, to be doing it. And, and with that, uh, one of the questions that maybe is uh, more relevant for the owner, operator, and middle market uh, guys, but um, one of the things that I conversations I have is uh, everybody's trying to figure out how do they maximize their multiple. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you have any uh, that might be different by based on vertical, but if there's any uh, tips that you have on oh, sure. uh, what yeah. you've seen yeah, in the yeah, market, yeah. Hey, uh, so how, how, how do you yeah. get, how do you get the most? Yeah. Yeah. Owner, if you're an owner operator business, uh, it is, uh, maximize the value, uh, uh, client concentration. Uh, gosh, David, I mean, I don't know how many P and L's I've looked at where 80% of the revenue is with the top three accounts. 80% of the revenue is 90% of the revenue, top five accounts. Uh, gosh, if you can reduce client concentration, that's a big thing that increases, uh, increases the value of the asset. Uh, solid gross margin, a history of solid gross margins. That's a, that's another one. And it, it's, it's, it's the gross margins range, obviously, you know, between it and light industrial and accounting and finance. So, and staffing industry analysts, they've got all kind of great data on, on, uh, on what those averages are. Uh, but a history of good gross margins. Uh, the owner of the business not tied into the day-to-day, not tied into the key relationships. Big red flag for a buyer. So if you're if you're uh, if you're a uh, owner-operator type business, you're running a ten million dollar year business. Uh, the way you got to think about it is that how do I reduce the risk to the buyer? And uh, so if the buyer looks and says, oh, Tom's, Tom's staffing and Tom's got a great relationship with, with the three largest accounts, but like nobody else in his organization has got, has got ties into those, those uh, accounts, boy, that's a, uh, well, they'll still, buy the, they'll still buy the business, but they're going to want old Tom to hang on for a year uh, until they get a you know, selling branch manager in there. And, uh, oh, and by the way, you, you know, you're not going to get 80% cash. You're probably going to get a, you know, 25% cash until, uh, and, uh, the cash down and the rest in some kind of a, some kind of an earnout structure. So client co- reducing client concentration, having good margins, uh, having, uh, the, the owner not involved in the, into the day to day aspects of the business. And those are for the, the middle market type, uh, type businesses, uh, Increasing the value of those, those uh, 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 increasing the, the the value of those middle market uh, businesses. Uh, if I've got uh, one office doing whatever, uh, if I've got one office doing twelve million dollars, and then I've got three other offices that are doing two million dollars each, well, you know, what is that? You know, is that really a uh, is that really a four office operation? So, I mean, if you uh, if, if you're in a region and you've got good coverage in that region with offices and offices that are like doing well, uh, you've got again, you've got a business model. The business model is that we want each office to do 10 million in revenue. I'm 50 million in revenue. I got five offices. They're all running at 10 million in, in revenue. I mean, that's just that's just like wow. You know, this guy's running a, a clockwork uh, 
organization really well managed uh, on and on and on same things apply with with client concentration you know you, you even those larger firms you want to you want to reduce uh, client concentration you want to you want to have good margins you want you typically the buyers don't like to see more than 10% of direct hire in the uh, in the uh, in, in the mix of things and um, uh and and good and good and good and good with the middle market firms that are looking to sell, good management and staff, good management on staff that it, that will go with the acquisition. Uh, so it's because uh, uh, you know obviously you know if, if a larger enterprise account buys a middle market, you know they're gonna they're gonna need the management to stay and transition and help with the transition and. And all the all the work that needs to go along with that. This episode of the Staffing Show is brought to you by Text Us. You might remember Text Us for their conversational text messaging software that helps recruiters communicate faster with candidates. Since launching four years ago, Text Us has become the largest provider of text messaging to the staffing industry. In fact, over 500 staffing firms choose Text Us more than any other texting software on the market. Why are they so popular? Because getting a hold of the top talent is more difficult than ever. That's where Text Us comes in. Their real-time communication platform helps your recruiters cut through the noise and get a response. If you want to increase recruiter productivity, you should check out Text Us. You can claim your staffing show exclusive free 30-day pilot by visiting textus.com forward slash hub. Just go to textus.com forward slash hub to claim your pilot and start recruiting in real time. You mentioned the client concentration a couple times. I, I've, uh, I don't know if this is related directly to staffing. I've uh, heard as a rule of thumb, you know, you don't want a client to be over 20% of your business. Do you have a, uh, any, any rules or, or uh, guidelines around the client concentration? I, I, I heard, I heard the same thing. No, no client more, no client north of 15, 20% of the business. That's a, that's, that's a good staffing industry standard, uh, that, uh, yeah, you know, Hey, so when you look at some of these light industrial, like, gosh, if you're running whatever, uh, you're running an $8 million light industrial staffing business and you know you've got these margins that are 13%. I see these businesses uh um you know like in Chicago here the average gross margin for light industrial staffing is running around 13%. Uh that's what it is. I mean it's it's light industrial mecca here in in Chicago. It's a north of 3 billion dollars of light industrial revenue in in the Chicago land area. Uh, but at 13%, I mean, a buyer looks at that and says, well, you know, I can just, I can just, uh, hire a salesperson or throw up an office and for, uh, you know, $125,000, I can get, you know, an office and, uh, uh, up and running and just steal the business from, you know, from, uh, from competitors or incumbents and undercut them. Uh, so if you're, uh, a s- small business like that, and you're, and you're you're at 16 or 18 percent gross margins, 19 percent gross margins, much much more desirable, much more desirable for a uh, for a company to to look at and say, hey, I wanna I wanna buy. So, client concentration, margins, uh, 
those are those are big those are a big thing perfect perfect great great insight again um one one other thing and kind of jump into another subject but uh, I, I i have a, you know a lot of conversation with uh staffing execs and uh, one of the things i hear uh, people wondering how to do correctly is uh, 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 compensation within their group uh, and compensation that's going to be meaningful and, and retain clients. Um, what are your, I guess, insights or, or any thoughts around uh, staffing industry compensation? Hey, yeah, so good, great, uh, great question. Great question, great topic. Uh, like uh, the, typically November and December, I do a lot. Of, my group does a lot of compensation work, uh, either building new comp plans, doing comp analysis, all the way up and down the food chain, uh, everything from presidents and senior level execs to, uh, to, to staffing coordinators and recruiters and sales reps and, and whatnot. Um, and uh, uh, look, I mean, uh, uh, I, I'll say two things. One, one, one thing is that a lot of these compensation plans in the staffing industry are pretty boring. Uh, they're not compelling. They're not engaging. They're not rewarding the right kind of behavior. Uh, you know, why stick around for that? You know, if I'm a, if I'm a 20 something year old kid. So with compensation, look, you got to build a comp plan. that has multiple components, uh, multiple sales levers that, uh, are rewarding the right kind of behavior. Uh, and uh, 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 compelling, engaging comp plans. So that's you know that's one uh, that's uh, that's one one big piece of, of of comp. And the other the other thing, which sort of uh, you know when you do the analysis of how salespeople and recruiters are compensated in the staffing industry with other industries that uh, that exist out there in the in the in the greater world. Generally, uh, like we're we're at the top of the food chain, so uh, not the top top of the food chain, uh, but uh, salespeople and recruiters in this industry they make good money. <laughs> they uh, they're they're probably uh, uh, I, I probably should be careful about what I'm saying because I might not I'm not probably going to get a lot of love from salespeople and recruiters, which which provide a lot of value and do a lot of good work and all that stuff. But when you compare what they're getting paid. Uh, it's sort of what I call one of the sins of the staffing industry is that, uh, is that we pay, we pay salespeople and recruiters pretty well. Uh, they make, they make, they, they can make pretty good money, uh, doing what they're doing. So when you're designing these comp plans, you just, you really have to be careful about how much money, how much, uh, what percentage of the gross profit you can allocate to the sales the salespeople. How much money can you allocate towards the to the recruiting people? And you know, base. You know, we're seeing we're seeing uh, bases creep up, and as bases creep up, you can't keep the percentage of gross profit you're going to be paying out the same. Uh, so you're going to have to adjust down. Well, kind of knowing what those are, based again upon a gross profit that you're generating, is is very, very, uh, very important. And uh, and 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 obviously, you know, keeping it keeping it engaging as as, as well. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a great topic. A lot of staffing companies struggle with comp and how to make comp work. And there's always, you know, what do we do with splits and. <laughs> 
Uh, what if one sales guy, you know, knocked down the door and another sales guy, you know, advanced the account and how do we pay him on that? And there's always, <laughs> there's always squabbles and, uh, things about, uh, things about that. But, uh, yeah. but do you have any examples that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask if you had any, had any examples of, uh, I guess, pitfalls or specific examples of account plans that oh aren't engaging and, and some have a few things that oh, hey, so, just, hey, yeah, uh, that's 100% great. avoid. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic question. So, uh, number one, comp plans that pay way too that they're they, they pay way too uh, high gross profit uh, uh, of gross profit. So, uh, they're paying maybe they're paying a sales guy a fifty or sixty k base, and then the percentage of gross profit that they're paying out. Uh, uh, occasionally, I see this where hey, we, we just play pay a flat ten percent or a flat. You know, twelve percent of the gross profit production of that individual. Well, you know, uh, uh, you you want to build a comp plan where you've got a graduated scale. So maybe the first, just as an example, and there's several models out there. But as an example, first ten k of gross profit they make two and a half percent, and the next ten k they make five percent, and next ten k they make seven percent, and the next ten k they make ten, and anything on a monthly basis over forty k they're making twelve and a half percent. Uh, so, uh, when you, when you don't have a graduated scale like that, you're not rewarding people. You're not encouraging people to get up to 40, 50 K of gross profit production on a, on a monthly basis. Uh, so that's, that's one pitfall. Uh, the other pitfall is that gross comping people on gross profit production. Uh, yes, got to do it. Uh, uh, a lot of staffing companies do it, but that's a lag, lag indicator. It, that's a result. A uh, lot of staffing companies do not compensate on lead indicators. In other words, what closes deals? What brings in new business? Well, man, it's going to networking events. It's the face-to-face meetings. It's following up on leads from recruiters. It's uh, doing certain things on LinkedIn and whatnot. Uh, you know, on, a, on the fulfillment side, it's t- the time I'm spending with, uh, with candidates on the phone. It's the number of, of uh, client interviews that I've got candidates interviewing at client sites. I mean, we kind of know what these are, right? I mean, they, they, the, the lead indicator, the lead, uh, the performance drivers haven't changed in the industry uh, all that much. Uh, but uh, no, the very, very, very few staffing companies compensate on lead indicators, lead, uh, we call them performance drivers. So, uh, so that's a big, that's a big, uh, that's a big, uh, you know, uh, a big thing. Uh, I had a, I had a, I had a, I had a client, uh, I picked up a client one time. I was, uh, gosh, this guy was, uh, I said, well, anyway, I was in a meeting with, with him and his, his CFO and his VP of sales. I said, Hey, what percentage of the gross profit are you allocating to your salespeople and recruiters? And the CFO kind of does some numbers in her head. And she said, um, 60%, six zero. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I quickly did the, I quickly did the math. I I assumed that 30% of the gross profit was going for G and a expenses. So then you got 10% left over for net income. And I'm like, damn, I said, you guys are running a $40 million business and you're making a 1% to the bottom line. That is painful to me. 
And the, and the owner just looked at me and said, how did you just figure out I'm making 1%? Uh, which was that was the case. They were making one. <laughs> he was running. A, he was running. A, he was running a forty million dollar year business. He was making one percent net income. I'm like, dude, man, go wow. buy a gross, sell your staffing business and go buy a grocery store. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, apples and oranges and yeah. lettuce. You know, there's no work comp yeah. exposure on 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 those things. <laughs> <laughs> At sixty percent, I'd hope they're commission only, but I doubt that was the case. So that's no, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that comp plan was so far out of whack, uh, and that's a pitfall that I find is that you know people, hey, the salaries keep creep, creeping up, but they don't adjust the, they don't want to adjust the, uh, they don't want to adjust the percentage of gross profit that they're that they're paying, and uh, uh, but yeah, they and and, and I say, I say another pitfall is that they're they're just they're not they're not in any way oh there's just there's so many there's just so much great stuff you can do at comp there's just so much great stuff uh uh that the, the, to make comp plans engaging and whatnot but uh, no 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 rewarding performance drivers no quarterly targets that change on a on a quarter to quarter basis hey tom if you uh you're a new employee so hey you get you get five new accounts you're gonna get a fifteen hundred dollar you know uh, uh one time bonus I mean, just whatever. I mean, it, it, uh, uh, and then you make a contest, a quarterly contest out of it for the guy. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you got a, a senior sales exec that's got, you know, kind of been sitting on his laurels for a little bit, you know. Well, you know, throw some targets out there for account penetration and, and growing, growing, the, growing the revenue in each one of those accounts. You know, it's, it's, uh, so you can make a comp plan where you've got a component of it that's different for, uh, for each sales person based on how long they've been with the organization and their, and, and their book of business. I mean, it's just, there's so much great stuff you can do with comp, but it's like our industry. It's just these, these plans, most of them, frankly, they're, they're, they're boring plans. And, and, uh, Hey, look, what, 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 what smart, a type, a talented salesperson wants to go work for a company with a boring comp plan. Do you know, Dave, do you, David, do you know, do you know yeah. any? I don't know any. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I yeah. don't know any at all. <laughs> yeah. So, right. If, it's, yeah. If, it's, if, they, if they don't, if they don't see it as exciting, it's going to be hard to recruit. Right. Recruit the right people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, to, to my point. So, anyway. Uh, fun stuff. Yeah. Fun. Fun stuff. Yeah. No, that's, uh, uh, that's great and great. Uh, again, some some great tips there that uh, uh, hopefully our listeners can can take and put into action. Um, so last question that I had uh, is: Do you have any stories, case studies, um, with, with clients or even just with, you know, industry players of people you think are doing things really, really well, uh, or some, you know, different approaches to the market that you think are going to move them forward faster. Um, and any kind of major changes that you see, uh, see in the market right now. Hey, yeah, I would, I would name if you can't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, I've got uh, I've got uh, clients that are early adopters on the on-demand staffing, and uh, which is uh, the on-demand uh, staffing. Uh, there, there are three different business models that are that are out there. Uh, so the on-demand staffing, that's you know the the, the folks that are uh, the folks that are that are using these. Uh, 
platforms like Shift Gig and and Workin, uh, and they're transitioning, uh, moving from you know uh, butts and seats to building a marketplace and whatnot. So uh, I've got, I have uh, I have some clients that are that are moving uh, moving in that direction uh, in a really good, strong, uh, healthy way, and uh, and you kind of know what happens there. So it, it uh, uh, the goal is is that we're not uh, we're going to hang on to a person for for not eight weeks or 13 weeks, we're going to hang on to a person for, for three years. And so if you're hanging on to a resource, if you're redeploying a resource over the course of three years versus 13 weeks, well, just imagine, you know, the number of, the number of headcount per internal uh, recruiter and salesperson you can get, you can get on board. So that's, you know, that's a case study. Uh, hey, the other, the other, I would say the other case, the other case studies are things is like niching, niching, niching. So, you know, a lot of folks, a lot of staffing businesses, they get, uh, sidetracked into, uh, opportunities or whatnot. Uh, still today, the magic words <laughs> to a hiring manager ears are, hey, all we do is place or we focus on whatever, you know, with these kinds of healthcare workers or these kinds of IT workers or we have a pod of recruiters, all they do are these kinds of engineers. That is, uh, David, that is such a, uh, that's like, a, uh, but like, gosh, I mean, how many staffing companies out there? They're all things to all people. Yeah, there's no, there's no niching. There's no focusing. There's, well, if there's no, no, no focus, then there really, there's no real value. There's no real value add that they, that they're offering to a perspective. Um, How do you specialize and what are you doing different if, if you have no focus, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, look at my business. I get called from people that are non-staffing companies and I refer them to other friends of mine, uh, other associates of mine. But, uh, I mean, I've succeeded doing what I'm doing because I'm focused on the staffing industry and, uh, and it's a great industry. I mean, we, we've enjoyed, uh, when I got involved, uh, the, <laughs> the industry was, a I don't know what it was, 50, 60 billion in revenue. It's, you know, a hundred and 160 billion in revenue now. Uh, uh, so it's been it's been a good good uh, good industry. So yeah, I would say those are uh, I would say those uh, those are two good case studies, two good two good strategic lessons to uh, to take to take back. Oh hey, here's the other uh, the other thing I would say is the whole digital marketing. Uh, so there's this new term that uh, we're hearing out there called smarketing, and so what's happening now is that uh, the marketing departments, uh, which historically we used to think about putting PowerPoint presentations together and managing the website and uh, getting the, helping with uh, job fairs and things like that. Well, uh, that job really has uh, become redefined. And so marketing now is much more about Digital marketing, pushing the messaging out, uh, clarifying the messaging, uh, utilizing uh, tools such as Facebook and LinkedIn, and uh, and and helping train salespeople and recruiters to 
build their brand on LinkedIn and uh, and, and and whatnot. Uh, so comp- clients of mine that have uh, moved um, uh, wisely, I wouldn't say aggressively, but have moved wisely in that whole field, in that whole marks marketing, digital marketing, uh, whatnot. Uh, that's, I mean, if you're not if you're not doing that, that's a uh, you definitely need to be looking looking at uh, at uh, at making some changes there. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's definitely a trend that uh, just conversation I've had as well. Is I've, I've uh, historically in staffing, I think marketing has been looked at as uh, just a cost center, uh, and I think it's one of the uh, I've, I've had a digital marketing agency, and I've uh, noticed that uh, a lot of Firms, I think, in staffing compared to other industries, heavily underinvest in that front. And I, I noticing a lot of firms um, not only starting to you know have a director of marketing or a CMO, but also looking at you know tools that automate uh, the recruiting process, like oh, Peerfish, yeah. um, uh, using using tools like great recruiters to improve their online reputation. Um, so I've seen a lot of uh, uh, things along those lines where um, you know there's there's a lot that can be done out there. It's just a matter of, uh, to your point earlier, making sure that you're aligning that first with the the, the business goals. So I, I completely agree on that. The uh, the AI, you know, the uh, the, uh, the we, there's a, there's AI tools now that will analyze your um, your job ads, your job postings, and saying, hey, if you use this word instead of that word. Uh, you'll get a nine percent increase on hits. <laughs> you gotta love it. You know, it's great. I, I just, I love it. I think it's like this. This is what's so exciting about the staffing industry is that there's like these some really, really great tools that are going to help recruiters do what they love to do: get on the phone and talk and recruit and and, and meet people and present people and whatnot. You know, who wants to sit there and write another job ad, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? I, I, I think mean, uh, you know, automate what you can and focus on building the relationships is uh, is definitely the, the route things are going. Yeah, um, yeah. So with, with, with all of that, are there any uh, any closing remarks, anything else that you'd like to, to share with our audience? Uh, d- uh, hey, staffing industry is a great industry to be in. Uh, th- this industry exists uh, because... Uh, uh, the buyers of staffing services cannot do what we provide. And, uh, and, and the other thing is that staffing industry is <clears throat> going nowhere but up. I mean, occasionally we, there's an article that comes across my desk about, oh, the staffing industry is going to become extinct in, in, in nine months. Uh, uh, it, those, those articles, the, the people that are writing those articles have no, no idea. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons on why the staffing industry is uh, is only going to continue to grow. Uh, it's it's only it's only going to become a more important uh, service industry for business uh, at large, uh, and a great great space, great place to to, to be in. And uh, we uh, the Vices Group here we provide uh, organizational development uh, consulting work. 
uh, either looking at the sales function, the recruiting function, comp plan, financial analysis, uh, helping on the IT stack. Uh, there's a whole whole host. Think about when you think about organizational development. You know, you think about all those functional areas. Uh, uh, IT, sales, recruiting, legal, operations, and uh, and that's what we've really focused on is helping people that are managing and growing and those those staffing those staffing businesses to help them do it better, faster, cheaper, and uh, and increase the value of that asset in the end. Absolutely. Well, Tom, it's uh, great insights today. Really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you being on the, the staffing show with us today. Uh, and uh, uh, just again, thanks, thanks again for your time. Yeah, thank you for the invite. And, uh, and uh, hey, happy 2020, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Staffing Show. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at staffinghub.com to never miss an episode. Until next time. <laughs>